Welcome to Support Up Simplified, where we interview thought leaders in the great field of customer support operations to provide you with actionable insights from the brightest minds in the industry. And now, your host, Sid Bumbani, CEO of Sumati. Welcome to another episode of Support Ops Simplified. I am your host, uh, Sid Bambani. And today I have with me uh, Rob from uh, Canopy Tax. Um, he's the director of support over there. Um, and he has a ton of experience with customer support operations, uh, both in his current position and as uh, a, a customer support executive at uh, Frontier in the past. Uh, welcome, Rob. Um, do you want to give us a quick intro other than what I just uh, gave our, our listeners here? Yeah, no, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, my name is Rob and I'm just, I'm working with Canopy Tax. I've been here for about two years, uh, built their customer support program from the ground up. Uh, and so that's been, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, before here, I was working with uh, Frontier Communications, supporting uh, Intuit products. So I'm very familiar with uh, the accounting side of mm-hmm support and working with tax executives and uh, tax professionals on their software and helping them uh, get up and going and, and helping the general public to pay their taxes. So uh, that's that's uh, just a brief overview, I guess. Yeah. I'm sure your customers are really looking forward to tax season, just like everyone else in uh, North America, aren't they? Oh, yeah. You know, my customers <laughs> are more of professionals, so they get paid during this time. So they love it. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Hey, so um, maybe just as a starting point, um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into support? Um, I've been going through your profile and it looks like you were a lot into uh, coaching and athletics and, and there was a transition from there to support. And uh, Maybe there's a great story over there that you can share with us. No, it's, it is a funny story. So I was in, I was in customer success, actually. I was teaching uh, online business and, and doing some coaching that way. Uh, and... I was also coaching basketball at the same time. And at that time, uh, the company that I was working with actually had uh, an FTC uh, investigation launched against them. Uh, Didn't find anything. Everything was great with the company, but because they shut it down, we all lost our jobs for a a time period. And so I was just out of work. I had two kids and needed to uh, be able to support my family. And so uh, my brother-in-law just said, hey, why don't you come over to this company, Frontier? And, uh, and try it out. And so I actually went over to Frontier as a phone agent. Mm-hmm. And uh, within two weeks, I got promoted to a lead. And then uh, three months after that, I was promoted to a supervisor. And then that's really how I got started in support. And I, I didn't really have uh, that much interest going in, but really quickly realized how much passion I had for helping people and really delivering an experience that would help them to feel as if they were leaving my phone, which I considered my office, uh, better than they were before. And so I really developed a passion for that. And then I developed a passion for helping others to deliver that kind of experience as well. And so we never want to leave uh, a customer feeling anything but better uh, than they were before they met us. So that's how I really got into support. It was not not by choice, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but it actually turned out to be the best thing that could have happened in my career. So. Yeah. Now that's a very interesting story on on a few accounts, right? Uh, one of them is that there's a lot in common with coaching and coaching for customer success, and I'm I'm sure 
you've kind of gained an appreciation for that now um, more so than ever. And then the other part that I find interesting is that you came from the trenches, uh, so as to speak. So you were a frontline agent and now you're running a support operations. How does that shape your perspective? You know, it it gives you a good insight into not only dealing with customer issues, but also relating to the emotions that are involved. And I feel like that's something that gets lost a lot of times when you're talking about customer support. Uh, you know, there's, there's typically looked at as customer support is, is either customer service or technical support. And I feel like customer support should be a melding of the two worlds uh, that you should have people that are not only uh, smart when it comes to uh, technical issues, but also who have a high uh, ability to gauge emotions, a high EQ, if yep. you will. Uh, and that's that's really the thing that I strive to uh, create most is high EQ and all of the people that I uh, work with and that I coach in terms of customer support is being able to say, you know, every single customer that's calling us, they're calling us because they have an issue with their software, but they also have uh, an issue that is with their emotions. Uh, mm-hmm. For most of the time, I feel like, especially working with business owners, they got into business because uh, they wanted to be able to call the shops, right? They didn't yeah. want to have to, uh, you know, take take orders from somebody else. They wanted to be able to do. And then when their software doesn't work, then uh, you've essentially taken that control away that they got into it for. That's the whole reason that they started using. Uh, you know, doing their own business and, and hiring other people is because they wanted to tell people what to do. They don't want to be able to, they don't want to be told, hey, your software is not working right now, so you can't do yeah. anything. <laughs> you take the control away. And so treating those emotional issues, even when you're not able to resolve a technical issue right away because it has to be fixed on the back end of your software, you can always resolve those emotional issues. And so that's that's the big thing that serving on the front lines really helped me with was I had those interactions personally, and I know exactly how to uh, convey that to my team so that they can also take care of those emotional issues. That is that is a very good observation. Um, and in fact, you know, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with in a customer support kind of role is, you know, you have to have that balance between technical and being able to gauge the emotion of the person on the other side, right? right. I know in my previous experience, people would ask for updates. They weren't looking for a resolution per se, but an update on what's going on. And if you were able to provide them an update, that was good enough as long as they knew that a resolution was coming on, uh, you know, forthcoming. Uh, so I think that's that's a really good point. So how, how big is your team right now? How many people are you actively coaching? Right now, I'm working with six people. So Canopy is a startup. Okay. Uh, and I got here two years ago and we had we had two people and that was it. Uh, two people who did chat support. And so we've introduced phone support and uh, we're looking to grow here pretty soon. Uh, We've introduced a new tax prep uh, product to the market. And so with that, I think we'll be growing really, really big soon. Uh, And so uh, we're looking to take off there, but right now we're only at six. uh, And so I get to work personally with every single person and really do a lot of one-on-one time, which is really good. That's awesome. What what I'm also hearing is that you, as a part business owner, have the opportunity to build a culture that you can be proud of. So what are some of your strategies that you're putting in place to put a culture together in customer support that would scale as you guys take off in the future? 
Yeah, one of the biggest things that I feel like is really crucial to uh, a culture when it comes to support is developing a spirit of ownership with every individual. Uh, you know, I want every individual to feel as though they are a business owner, that they have uh, their own customers, that their customers are not just canopy customers, but they're also their own customers that are really in charge of, or they're in charge of making sure from beginning to end that this resolution happens. And even if we pass something to our development team uh, in order to get like a bug fix or something like that, that we are the ones that circle around and close the loop. And I've really tried to develop that so that if every individual has ownership, then you're not only creating uh, great agents, but you're, excuse me, also uh, creating future leaders. And that's, that's really one of the things that we have strove for is, you know, make sure that not only are we developing our own, you know, personal business, but, you know, you guys are going to be leaders in the future. You're part of the original six, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so you need to be bought into the culture and start building it. And, uh, and that's one of the biggest things uh, that I think a, a customer support team needs uh, is people who will individually take the ownership on themselves rather than saying, oh, hopefully somebody else is going to do it. Right, right. No, and that's, that's very true. In fact, there's a lot of times when um, the frustration on a customer's side is, you know, aggravated by the fact that there's internal processes that cannot meet the sure. demand, right? So someone sure. needs to kind of hold, uh, be held accountable to make sure that we can deliver on, on the front lines. Sure. And, and, you know, you talked about providing updates and I think uh, being able to proactively reach out and provide updates when they come in rather than waiting for somebody to, to actually check with you for an update is really important too, in terms of trying to eliminate some of that uh, friction when it comes to internal processes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so speaking of processes, um, I think one of the challenges uh, that I had, and I think, you know, it kind of resonates with a lot of uh, startups or scale-ups for that matter even, is um, the, the balance between culture and metrics. Um, okay. So we know what good culture is. We know what people should be doing. Um, uh -huh. how, do you, how do you reflect that in your metrics and your reports in terms of day-to-day -day operations? What are some of the key KPIs that you hang your hat off? Yeah, the, the biggest thing is I, I want to make sure that I, I have a philosophy where customers want speed, they want knowledge, and they want delight. <clears throat> and so that's, that's my skid product plug, if you will. Okay. So that's what I, I hang my hat on is, you know, making sure that I, I have a group inbox for chat support where uh, it's basically uh, first come, first serve. And, mm -hmm. you know, our, our agents are able to take chats as they come in. It's a group inbox. and they have volume metrics that they need to meet for bonuses and stuff like that. But essentially, they can choose whether or not they want to uh, take these chats. However, the entire team is measured based on the response time. Uh, and so there's a median response time that we want to keep under a minute. Uh, and right now, we're at 50 seconds, uh, which is really, really quick. Uh, typically, when I chat into other places, you know, I'll never get a response within 10 minutes. And if I do, then, then that's a good response time. But I feel like we should have almost immediate responses to all of those. Uh, we also measure answer percentage for our phones. So that's the speed metric. In terms of knowledge, there's a lot of things that we do in terms of monitoring chats, monitoring calls, uh, making sure that we get all the answers and that we disperse that correctly. Uh, we're in the process of creating an internal database that'll help with that as well. 
Uh, and then just rely, we, we use customer uh, satisfaction surveys in order to measure that. And uh, rather than using a traditional, uh, uh, what's it called? Like an NPS score? Yes, yes. And I had KPI in my mind. Yeah. Uh, but in, turn, in terms of that, we actually use just an average survey score. Uh, okay. and so a survey score on, on a scale of zero to five uh, in terms of uh, determining satisfaction. And so those are the, the big metrics that we use. Um, I use the median response time and the answer percentage as a team score. Uh, and then individual uh, survey scores will factor into bonuses and, and performance analysis. Okay. And, and out of curiosity, what kind of return rates do you see on your surveys? Is that um, like, are, are a lot of your customers coming back with feedback in those survey type responses? Yeah. So I, I'd say about a quarter, uh, usually we're around 23% return rate on those. Okay. Surveys. Uh, it's dragged down uh, a little bit by phone, uh, yeah. because phone surveys go via email. Uh, and we all know that email inundation happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so those get lost a little bit. So the phone, the phone return rate is only at about seven percent typically, okay. uh, whereas the chat percentage is much higher. Okay, no, that's that's actually still pretty good compared to some of the other metrics I've seen. Um, so, like, if you if you take it all from an end to end perspective, right? Uh, one of the things that I know we talk to a lot of our customers and and companies with is is the customer experience and how that is, you know, a part customer service and the delivery and part um, how a customer feels about the product at large. Um, uh-huh. And so, you know, and maybe this, this resonates with you in terms of like being able to take some of the feedback from your customers to your development team and enhance the product in certain ways. Um, do you have kind of a, a loop in terms of how you measure or whether you can even take the insights that a customer is giving and, and kind of, feed that into the bigger organization because a lot of conversations are happening on this front line, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so we do have a direct reporting mechanism where our database feeds directly into the development database, which is Jira. Uh, they oh, okay. use Jira. Uh, we use Zendesk and there's a direct link between the two. And so we have a bug channel and then we also have a product feedback channel. And so feature requests and different things like that will be fed in there. And I have a meeting every week with the product team where we go over some of those. Uh, I also run our uh, community. Uh, okay. We have uh, a community where a lot of feature requests will come in and then I send, I compile an email and send it directly to our product team. So I have a lot of interaction with them. Uh, we actually just moved our customer support team uh, from being in the customer department to actually rolling up under engineering and okay. partnering. QA and and so we get a lot of uh, internal discussion when it comes to those feature requests. Yeah, it seems like a much tighter integration if you're part of the same team that's delivering the service and improving the product. Well, and shortening the time to resolution uh, because we're able to you know bug them a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's something of the back end and stuff like that. So. It's yeah, good. yeah. I think anyone who's in support has uh, knows about the frustrations of dealing with engineering and trying to get answers out of them. Yeah, um, yeah, so that's yeah, that's I'll actually a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it seems like a very tightly knit integration. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the tech stack that you guys are using to enable this integration and enable the people to have these communications back and forth? Yeah. So so 
from the supports perspective, there's the central hub is Zendesk. Uh, and so we use Zendesk and it integrates with all of the other things that we try to work with. We have some engineering teams that are working with Jira. And okay. so it integrates with that so we can pass tickets directly through there. We also use Trello. Uh, and so some of our teams are using Trello. And so uh, Zendesk integrates with that as well. Um, for chat, we use Intercom. And it yep. will feed uh, conversations directly into Zendesk. So Zendesk is really our ticketing system where we hold everything. Uh, we use the VoIP uh, service through Zendesk as well. Uh, and so that's our central hub where we're able to disperse all of the other uh, systems. Okay. Uh, we have a few other integrations. Uh, we were looking at SurveyMonkey, but decided to go with our own uh, Google Sheet that we built uh, in order to send surveys out. So... So we stuck with that. But. Cool. No, that, that sounds pretty much on, on trend in terms of being able to uh, get information back and forth and have it in a single source of truth um, in a CRM. Um, so what's, you know, given all this work that you've done and, and the culture you've built, can you talk about one customer experience scenario that has been a big win for you guys recently? Oh, it's it's tough to to think of individual uh, conversations because my team has so many of those. Yeah, but I mean, even even at a strategic level, in case um, you know you guys were able to change a process or or something that um, that kind of got you a, a step closer to your customers in terms of service delivery. Sure, sure. Well, I think a big thing that we did recently was integrating a payment system into our own platform. Uh, so we used to use Stripe and integrate with them. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but there was a lot of a lot of uh, clamoring for uh, a payment system within our products, so that they could tie their invoices directly to all of the different uh, profiles of customers that they had. And so, we actually built our own payment system, and we still partner with a third party, but it's labeled as Canopy Payments, and so. People are able to tie their payments and their invoicing directly into their tax prep or their tax resolution or all of the services that they offer to their customers. And that was a big win uh, in terms of being able to cut out uh, a lot of manual processing where you were creating an invoice outside of Canopy. You had to save it to your computer, then load it up, then send it to your customer. Right. You know, all of that stuff gets kind of blown away and it's, it's all integrated. And so that, that was a big win for our customers. That was one of the things that they were really wanting. And it's, it's had a lot of really, really good reviews from, from the customers just being able to, to do it without all of those other manual processes. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty cool. So in, in terms of like when you roll out a big change like that, right? Um, how do you kind of proactively get your customers to a point where you're there to assist them? Do you have an SOP or of some sort, which you kind of go through and make sure that you can nail that customer experience when a new product or a new feature is going out the door? You know, a lot of it is, is just letting people know through uh, the app. Uh, so we'll, we'll go through and we'll build what's called a tour in, uh, in intercom. And okay. it actually gives the customer a walkthrough. So we'll send them an, an invite saying, Hey, you know, this is coming out. This is something that's brand new let's take a look at it together and then they can go step by step through creating a fake payment and invoice and they, they get the whole process beforehand so that once they come to us, they already have an idea of the questions that they want to answer. They want answered uh, before 
you know, just jumping in head first and, and not knowing exactly how the process works. So uh, being proactive in terms of announcing those changes has really helped us uh, to, uh, and then we're able to create some safe responses that will be a lot easier to pass along as well. So right. it cuts down time that they need for their uh, questions to be answered. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. That way you're providing a lot of the information closer to them as a self-service way, as opposed to them having to call in and figure it out with you, right? Well, and that's that's kind of what our customers really like. Uh, they want to be able to do multiple things at once. Uh, and so we find that they, they prefer chat uh, a lot of times, whereas in other industries that I've been in, uh, people will prefer to call in and have an experience yeah. with an person on the phone. Our customers really like to chat because they want to be doing multiple things at once. And so they can chat wait for you know a response and do other things while they're waiting rather than sitting on the phone. And so they really like the self-service model. Uh, we've built an extensive database of uh, articles to help them and videos that they can work with. Uh, so self-service is, is a good facilitator, I guess, uh, to get them the information that they need without having to make that contact with them when they need us. We're always there for them. Right. And you know what? I've, I've been hearing that as a trend among different industries now as well. Um, and I think it has more to do with the changing consumer than, than yeah. anything else. And the fact that they want to be able to multitask and get to that information quicker. Um, so actually on, on that point, um, what do you see as the future of support on your end as, as you're growing? Like what kind of either technological or strategic um, innovations or changes do you see in the horizon that you're looking to, you're excited about implementing or, or looking at further as you guys grow? You know, I love, I love all of the, the things that people talk about uh, in terms of future of support. Uh, what, I, what I am nervous about is the lack of human interaction that comes into future talk. I think yeah. there's a lot things that uh, human interaction does for a product and for a customer and, you know, creating relationships rather than just that technical, uh, you know, let's get your problem fixed kind of attitude. And so I would like to see, uh, you know, AI be able to take over some of that initial conversation and question asking, and then be able to direct to the correct individuals for support. Those are, those are things that I'm really excited about that I, I love mapping out uh, maybe those initial uh, probing questions in order to find out a little bit of information that can then be passed to a human representative uh, on the back end to then create uh, a little bit more rapport uh, and an emotional connection with the customer. So, so I look forward to eliminating the uh, busy work, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, eliminate the busy work of some of these probing questions, get, get the customer to the correct individual, and then, uh, you know, really focus on creating relationships with your customers. That's, that's the biggest thing that I'm excited about. That's, that's actually pretty cool. So there's a, there's a thought um, or a school of thought in the industry. Um, instead of calling AI artificial intelligence, uh, we're looking at calling it assisted intelligence, where yeah. instead of having AI dish out the answers, what you're doing is just helping the agents come up with better answers as they're interacting with customers. Have you looked sure. into that? Have, have you been exposed to that at all? I haven't heard of that, but that sounds amazing. Uh, that sounds <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll do that all day long because you know, then it, it really is 
you know, where is your brain power focused, right? If your brain power is focused on getting a technical answer, then you're not able to build nearly as much rapport. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Really connect with those customers and create loyalty. You know, long-term loyalty resides not in getting technical answers, but in getting, you know, relationships formed with those customers and building an experience around it. And so uh, having the ability to have some sort of assistance uh, when you're on the phone, that's almost like having somebody troubleshooting for you while you're having a conversation. That would be awesome. Yeah, well, actually, so, and, and you know, for the benefit of our viewers, our listeners, rather, um, one of the things that has been catching a lot of steam lately is is that concept where you know having someone provide a technical answer is is pretty easy in the sense that you would be able to self service that or you'd be able to get that out there through some other mechanism it's that relationship that you're building when you're talking to someone on the phone or over email that yeah. really differentiates you as a person and adds that value add to that service that you're providing um so a number of solutions are are looking at kind of being that little um, voice on your shoulder that tells you, hey, you know, maybe you didn't hit the mark with that comment as they gauge customer frustration as you're looking through it and, and interacting with them as opposed to providing you the technical answers. So that's that assisted intelligence school of thought. Um, and maybe we can carry on that discussion offline as well uh, once, we're, once we're off this, um, this podcast here. Um, so, and, you know, that, that being said, um, are there any... Um, aspects of uh, the automated um, interactions that you're seeing today that are catching up uh, really, really well on your end other than chat. Okay. So yeah, um, I was just mentioning um, assisted intelligence is, is the school of thought over there, kind of akin to what you were saying in terms of you know having people drive a lot of the emotional aspect of it, uh, whereas the um, assisted intelligence kind of comes in and taps you on the shoulder with uh, a little bit of hints on what we should be doing next um yeah. more of a guide than you know than taking over and and answering the question in a very mechanical kind of way yeah um, so you can carry on that conversation afterwards i guess um sure. but um just uh, something that that i was thinking of as we were going through this is you have a lot of experience kind of coming from the ground up and building these cultures who have been some of your mentors um as you you know it, entered and, and uh, kind of took over this new industry. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, what's funny is uh, I had uh, a lot of the call center environment uh, as, as a mentor. Uh, and I feel like a lot of it is a mentor in terms of what not to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, I saw a lot of what happened. It, the, the office in Provo uh, that was working with, frontier was really a startup in and of itself like okay. there were there were like 20 or 30 of us uh from the beginning and it shot up to 800 really really quickly uh and i saw it start kind of as a startup environment where everything was fun and become a lot more corporate and a lot more uh you know just driven by by that mindset, uh, you know, having levels of bureaucracy that had to go through in order to make changes and, you know, not feeling like you were listened to by your leaders. I heard a lot of that and I saw a lot of the detrimental morale practices that were taken into, into play uh, when it came to building a support organization. And so, uh, you know, a lot of that uh, mentality that I've had in building a culture has come from what I've seen uh, take a take a environment from a really fun and exciting and 
just energetic environment to, you know, what happens when companies grow and all of a sudden money comes into play. And it's, you know, I've tried to do everything that I could to build a, a culture the right way, uh, yeah. if you will, uh, from, from what I've seen before. I, I use a lot of podcasts uh, when it comes to uh, forming the, the culture of my team. One of the, my favorites is uh, Simon Sinek. Yeah. He's, he's really influential on my managing practice and the culture that I try to build. Uh, and then I just, I listen to a lot of different uh, uh, business gurus, if you will, but more like Tony Robbins, I feel like is more of a psychologist when it comes to business than, a, than anything else. And that, that's really important when it comes to the way that I want to build a culture. I want to build a culture that uh, everybody feels safe. Everybody feels valued. And everybody's excited to come to work. And, and that's really why I, I found an ambition and support was to change the, the traditional culture that uh, support works in. Uh, because what people think of customer support and doing customer support, typically it's not, oh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about doing customer support. Typically it's not that. And I, I feel like it could be. And so yeah. that's, that's my mentality and in coming into a support environment is let's create an environment where people are excited to give support and excited to help customers and they find a passion in it. Uh, and so, you know, as opposed to, to dreading, you know, talking to customers and things, which I feel like is in a lot of industries, the mentality. And I don't feel like you can give good customer support if you're not excited to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Um, you know, one, one of my, uh, old colleagues used to tell me, it's like, you can't hire someone who went to university to become a customer support agent. You will <laughs> not find that person. That's right. Um, <laughs> everyone's kind of evolved into it. Right. Sure. So I guess the last question, as, as you build out a team and you build out this great culture, what are some of the significant aspects you look for in someone you put on your team? And maybe this is the last thing that we can leave our, our listeners with in terms of advice on how do you put together a stellar team? What are you looking for in a person? Uh, there, there's a lot of things for sure. Uh, but I think a, somebody who is going to be a team player, uh, you know, who is everybody can rely on everybody else. You want to make sure that, uh, and, and going back to Simon Sinek, uh, one of the stories he tells is about Marines and he talks about, the type of mentality that it takes to be a Marine and to actually go in and save somebody and risk your life. And, and when he asked them why they did it, they typically turn around and say, well, he would have done it for me. And, and I want to build that mentality in my team where, you know, everybody is supporting each other. Everybody has each other's backs and, and there's a lot of camaraderie that happens. Uh, and so somebody that's going to be a team player and somebody that has a positive mental attitude are two of the biggest things that, that I look for uh, and that can, can transmit that to me in an interview, right? Uh, because I want them to be able to, to send those positive vibes to the customer and make them feel good as well. And so those two things, I, I don't look as much for technical background uh, yeah. just because I feel like the technical part can be taught a lot easier than you know, positive mental attitude and the EQ and being able to interact with people and make them feel better uh, when they leave you than when they came. And so I look a lot more for those emotional investments than the technical attributes. That's, that's a great uh, way to go about it. So I'm just going to summarize a couple of things that I picked up in this conversation because it's been a fascinating one. Um, right. It is 
you know, look for people who have your back end and you would do the same for you so that you build that supporting environment. And the other thing that I thought was a, a real gold nugget there was your philosophy around skid, speed, knowledge, uh, intelligence, and delight. Was delight. that, did yep. I get it right? Yeah, okay. got it. That's perfect. No, thank you very much, Rob. This has been uh, a great conversation. Um, and I think uh, there were a lot of good nuggets in here uh, for, our, for our listeners. Um, and I hope, you know, the very best as you guys grow and scale. And I look forward to speaking with you again. Thanks a lot, Sid. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. All right, cool. Thanks for listening to Support Up Simplify with Sid Bambani of Sumati. Tune in next week for another interview with a customer support operations thought leader. 